Today's scripture text comes from Mark chapter 6, verses 35 through 44. Mark 6, 35 through 44. Hear now the inspired words of God. Late in the afternoon, his disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the nearby farms and villages and buy something to eat. But Jesus said, You feed them. With what? they asked. We have to work for months to earn enough money to buy food for all these people. How much bread do you have? Jesus asked. Go and find out. They came back and reported, we have five loaves of bread and two fish. Then Jesus told the disciples to have the people sit down in groups on the green grass. And so they sat down in groups of 50 or 100. Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, looked up toward heaven, and blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread to the disciples so they could distribute it to the people. He also divided the fish for everyone to share. They all ate as much as they wanted. And afterward, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftover bread and fish. A total of 5,000 men and their families were fed. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. So full disclosure, when I was a kid, I did not much like going to church. So my parents did what all great parents do when confronted with a situation where you're trying to get your kids to do something they don't want to do, or they're doing something that you don't want them to do. You bribe them. So my parents bribe to me then was, if you pretend to at least like going to church or not hate it so much, when church is over, we will go to the cafeteria. And the cafeteria was awesome. They don't really exist anymore, at least not like they did back then. Today we call them buffets. And uh, somewhere in the 80s, uh, Madison Avenue said, cafeteria has a really bad stigma. You've got hospital cafeterias, you have high school cafeterias, that's a bad, bad stigma. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna rebrand. We're gonna call it something different. We're gonna call it something fancy. We're gonna call it something foreign, French maybe. We call them today the buffet. But back in the day, when you walked in the cafeteria, as a kid, it meant no waiting for food. You walked in the door and immediately you were in line. And you pulled your tray up and you put it down and right away you were confronted with choices. Main entree, am I going to have a cheeseburger, chicken fried steak, then you'd move down to the next part in the line, mashed potatoes and gravy, you'd move a little bit farther down the line where the salads were, Green jello and carrots? No, thank you. I'm going to move on to the next part. And the last part was almost the best part because it was pie. And so you had all the pie that you could choose from. And maybe if no one was watching, you could take a couple of plates of pie. And then, but when you got to the end of the line, there was always a lady there who had the hairnet and the cash register. 
And it didn't matter where you went in the country. It was always the same lady with the same hairnet, with the same cash register. And her job was to add up everything on your tray. And then she presented the bill to the last person in line. What I remember most about the cafeteria, and I think what I liked most about it, was the ice cream machine. You had chocolate on one side, you had vanilla on the other, and if it was a fancy ice cream machine, you had the thing in the center where you could do both chocolate and vanilla at the same time. And while you paid for everything else at the cafeteria, what I remember about this was the ice cream had free refills. And as a kid, is there anything better than free refills? And the answer is, of course, there's not anything better than free refills. But what about when we get older? Does the joy of the free refill go away? So we're in the middle of a sermon series on stranger foods of the Bible, and we've talked about manna from heaven. We've talked about Moses putting gold dust in the drinking water. We've talked about God delivering food to Elijah in sort of a a grub hub of the the Old Testament because he delivered it using ravens. And today, I want to talk about free refills. Now, there are a ton of stories in the Bible. There are a lot of stories in the Bible about free refills. There's a lot in in the Old Testament, 1 Kings, 2 Kings, uh, stories about empty jars being filled with oil and flour. There are stories about a hundred men being fed with 20 loaves. But to me, the best example of free refills is actually in the New Testament. The reason it's the best story is it's one of the few times in the New Testament that the four gospel writers actually line up on the same event. So the four gospel writers, um, right there at the front of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, four of the hand-picked students, disciples of Jesus. They all saw the same things, they all live through the same experiences with, it, with Jesus, but as any police officer will, will tell you, you can have four eyewitnesses to any event, and you're going to have four different points of view. Matthew's point of view was more along the lines of what Jesus said. Mark's point of view was all about Jesus in action. What did Jesus do? Luke talked a lot about how Jesus felt, and John, John is completely off doing something different. John is talking about who Jesus was. He talked a lot about the I am's. It's where we get the I am's of the Bible. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the bread of life. So these four accounts line up on a lot of, other, a lot of things at the end of Jesus' life, but there's only one time that all four of the gospel writers line up on a miracle. And our scripture reading today was from Mark, but it could have just as easily been from Matthew 14, Luke 9, or John 6, because they all line up on, that, on one miracle. And why is that? What message from the New Testament could be so important that all four of the gospel writers covered it almost identically? It's free refills. It's free refills. So the story unfolds like this. King Herod had arrested John the Baptist, and he had him beheaded. And Jesus, upon hearing the news, retired by boat to a quiet place. 
But the crowd saw him coming and they gathered on the, the shore to meet him. So when Jesus landed, there was a large crowd and he had compassion on them and he healed their sick. But the sun was setting and they were in a remote place and the disciples see what is happening. So they go to Jesus and they say, Jesus, we've got to send these people away. There's nobody here and there's no way for us to feed these people. And Jesus says to them, no, we're going to feed them. So what everyone remembers about this miracle is one man fed 5,000 people, five loaves, and two fishes. But what we fail to remember, what we always seem to forget is really the most important part of the story. There was remainder. The story doesn't go, they just barely had enough for everybody to eat. Oh my gosh, what are we going to do? The story is, there was more than enough. There were leftovers. If you look at Matthew 14, verse 20, they all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. Mark 6, verse 43. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. Luke 9, verse 17. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 baskets of broken pieces. John 6, 13. They got, so they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of barley, loaves, left over by those who had eaten. Everybody had free refills. And like I said, what most people focus on is that people were hungry Jesus saw their need and he immediately addressed it. Problem solved. Come on, boys, let's go to the next town. That's not why the story lines up on all four gospels. All four gospel writers saw all the miracles, but this is the one that they all collectively wrote about. The story lines up on all four, uh, all four gospel writers write about this because it's about free refills. Now, don't get me wrong. This miracle is a great miracle. All of Jesus' miracles were amazing. I'm not taking anything away from it. But let's be honest here. Jesus could have done all of his miracles with both eyes closed, one hand tied behind his back. He was the son of God after all. But everything that Jesus does is to teach us something. His message is not, follow me for all the free fish and bread you want. His message is about free refills, but it's on free refills on much more than just bread and fish. It's about, it's about more than satisfying earthly wants and needs. It's about free refills on only things that God can give. Free refills on love, free refills on grace, free refills on forgiveness. And there's only one place that we can get it. These aren't things that we can barter for. They're, they're not things we can negotiate for. It doesn't matter how rich we are in this world, we can't buy them. Only things that we can get from one place, and that's from God. So Jesus is trying to teach us about free refills. And as often, as always the case, we only take away half the lesson. He's trying to teach us about the nature of God, unlimited love, unlimited grace, unlimited, unlimited forgiveness. And we just focus on the part that we can use in this world. In fact, if you look farther into John 6, after the feeding of the 5,000 the next day, there's grumbling about not getting more bread. And Jesus confronts that. He says, I am the bread of life. 
And all those people wanted then and there was, they wanted their immediate needs met. Jesus says to them, eat my flesh, drink my blood. And they say, that's just weird. The metaphor gets lost. It's so easy for us to look back on those people, the Bible, and say, what is wrong with you people? Don't you know that you were talking to the Son of God? How could you have been so short-sighted? How could you have been so blind? You have free refills right in front of you. We, friends, I can tell you that some days we're those people. I'm those people. We have all the same opportunity to claim all of those free gifts that they did. Unlimited love, unlimited grace, unlimited forgiveness, blessings beyond imagination. And what do we do? What do we do with these amazing gifts? Free refills, what do we do with them? I said we. Let me take you out of the equation. Let me throw this on me. Here's what I do. Sometimes I'm thankful. Sometimes I count my blessings instead of the things that I think that I want or I need. But never as often as I should. So what I did is I made a to-do list, and more correctly probably is to call it a not-to-do list. So these are things that I should not do with God's free refills. So let's call this the not-to-dos. Not-to-do number one, the ambivalence axiom. So let's say that you go to the cafeteria and you eat there for a whole month. The first couple of days that you're at the cafeteria, you go up to the free refill machine and you might have two or three refills of ice cream. But as, as time goes on, as, as, as a week goes by and maybe two weeks go by, maybe you don't go by the free refill machine. Maybe you just walk by it and you don't even notice it. But what do we do when the ice cream machine is broken that day? We really want ice cream, don't we? That's what we call value. It's a relationship between how much there is of it and how valuable it is to us. If there's a lot of it, hmm, I can take it or leave it. If there's not much of it, it has a lot of value. And it's the same in life. When times are good, Are we thankful for free refills? But when times get tough, if if there's a divorce or a job loss or a bad diagnosis of a friend or maybe a family member, how fast do we fall to our knees and cry out for free refills? But good news, there's a way for us to fight the ambivalence axiom. When you walk by the free refill machine, even on the days that you don't get ice cream, be thankful that the free refill machine is there. God, thank you for something with infinite value and infinite amounts. Thank you for your free refills of grace. Not to do number two, the entitlement effect. Back to our free refills machine. So imagine you're at the cafeteria 
And what would you say if you saw somebody do this? Hey, is there anybody back there? Is there anyone back there? I know that I get free refills on chocolate and vanilla, but I could sure go for some mango today or maybe some sassafras. Free refills as much and as often as I want. I'm tired of the plain old vanilla. I want something different. So if we saw somebody do that, we might say they have an entitlement attitude to free refills. God, this is the minimum that I'm willing to accept. And if you drop below that level, then you and I, we're going to have a problem. Teddy Roosevelt said that comparison is the thief of joy. And it's true. I see what they have next door. God, why don't I? I see what they have two streets over. God, why don't I? Social media. Not only the thief of of joy, but also the notorious thief of personal information. I hate it, I hate it, I hate it. God, I see the best 1% of the lives of people, everybody that I've ever known, and even people that I've never, ever met before. God, why don't I? So here's how we fight the entitlement effect. The attitude of gratitude It's easy because it rhymes. We use it all the time, and it's to the point that it's almost trite, but it's very true. So what I do to fight the entitlement effect is I take out a sheet of paper, but not a normal sheet of paper. I kick it old school. I use the old sea, or the Dead Sea scroll style, and I start at the bottom, and I work my way up, and I keep going, until I've listed every single blessing that God has ever given to me. And if I run out, sometimes I have to use a second or a third scroll. And when I feel myself asking God, why don't I? Pull those out. And I thank God for all of the blessings that I've ever had in my life. And my, the entitlement effect disappears. So the last not to do, I call this the orange bucket syndrome, and it's the worst thing that I do, we do, that I, that I do. So I want you to imagine that you're at the cafeteria. We've been to the cafeteria a lot. So this is the third day that we're at the cafeteria. So we're at the cafeteria, and somebody walks in with an orange bucket, and they walk up to the free refill machine, and they turn on all three of the spigots. And they stand there, and they stand there, and it takes a while because it's a big bucket, and it fills all the way up, and, but they're not content with just filling the bucket up. They have to put the cone on top, and then they turn it off, and then they take it, and they do the twist like you do on a cone. And then they take their bucket, and they walk out the front door. I would be mortified, and so would you. We call this person the hoarder. 
Now, I know there's free refills, but who knows how long they're going to last. I don't believe that free refills are infinite, and I don't believe they're going to last forever. And if if I don't keep as many of the free refills as I can, I might not have enough down the road. So take the words free refill and replace those with the words God's blessings. I'm guilty. God gives us all these blessings and our first reaction is to hoard them. These are my blessings. And if I share them, I might not have enough down the road. That's why we're encouraged to tithe. It's not that God needs our money. He doesn't. It's to teach us trust. It's to get us in the habit of trusting God. So how do we stop OBS, the orange bucket syndrome? It's trust. It's trust. Trust is something that comes very hard to me. And maybe it does to you too. Maybe once upon a time, you had somebody in your life that you thought would be there no matter what, that when your back was up against the, car, the wall, when the cards were on the table, that they would be there with you. Times got hard and they bailed. Happens to everybody, you live long enough, it's gonna happen to you more than once. But I can tell you that a lot of times we take that, those issues with trust that we have with other people here and we lay that at God's feet. God, you're fairly awesome and most of the time you come through but at some point you're gonna disappoint me just like all the people do down here. So I'm gonna take as much as I can right now and put it somewhere safe just in case you fail me. Now, I say these words out loud And to those of us that claim to be Christians, how ridiculous does that sound? God is faithful to us even when, especially when we're not faithful to him. Jesus is faithful to us. He died on the cross for all of my sins, all the sins of the earth, past and future. Can we trust God? Can we trust Jesus? So the way that we stop the orange bucket syndrome is to trust God. And much to the chagrin of our brothers and sisters on the left coast, it still says, in God we trust on our money. The U.S. Treasury trusts God. Why can't I? So here's what I do when my faith is weak. God, I'm going to trust you a little more today than I did yesterday. I'm going to trust you a little more tomorrow than I did today. I'm going to trust you with more of my heart. I'm going to trust you with more of my prayers, a little less doubt, a little bit more of my gold. And I'm going to keep doing that until you let me down. And the good news is God will never let that happen. So that's it. That's the list. The three biggest barriers to living into a life that God, that God calls for us, that God promises to us. God is always there with free refills of love and grace and forgiveness. And it sounds like a, a bit of a drag. I know I'm closing it out with, with a list of, of, of don't do's, but think of it this way. 
Think about the joy of free refills when we were kids of ice cream. How awesome was that? That promise is still available to us today. But all we have to do to get free refills is to embrace this. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks and praise for so many blessings that we can't even list them all. We thank you for free refills on things that we haven't earned, we can't earn, but you give to us just because you love us. Grace, forgiveness, and love. God, help us to pause just for a moment and think about those gifts and how important they are to us. In your son's name we pray, amen.